Is your Shopify store ready for the biggest selling season of the year? Bold Commerce has some of the best apps to use during the holiday season to increase the size of almost all your orders. Maybe you're looking to run store-wide sales with countdown timers. Boom! Bold Discounts will run your scheduled promos with just a few clicks. No coupon codes required. Or maybe you're looking to maximize average order value. You could count on Bold Upsell, Bold Motivator, and Bold Bundles. With Bold Upsell, you can offer product upgrade cross-sales or complimentary products as free gifts. With Bold Bundles, you can boost average order value by bundling a few products or an entire collection so that your customers can mix and match items to get a discount. Hey, when was the last time you made an online purchase and saw a message like, spend 15 more dollars for free shipping? With Bold Motivator, you can do that same thing and more. Offer free shipping, free product, or even a percentage off the entire order. The best part is it's geolocated so it only shows offers in relevant countries. Pick and choose which apps are best for you, or use them all to boost conversion and average order value. With free bold apps for 14 days, there's no excuse not to try and boost your sales this holiday season. To get this special offer as an unofficial Shopify podcast listener, go to boldcommerce.com slash Kurt. That's boldcommerce.com slash K-U-R-T. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You already know the benefits of SEO, The higher you rank in search, the more visitors you get, and more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do it? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines more easily, and it's trusted by thousands of store owners. No surprise there, it's equal parts power, innovation, and ease of use. Think of SEO Manager as your optimization toolbox. Here's some examples. It can scan your site for issues, Offer keyword suggestions, add structured data support, analyze missing pages and redirects, and even integrate with Kit, plus a ton more tools to help you be easily found in Google searches. Best of all, it's easy to get started. You can get started in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Seriously, I have met them. They are the best. And as a special offer to you, you can get 10% off SEO Manager forever when you sign up at seomanager.com slash unofficial. That's seomanager.com slash unofficial. Today on the unofficial Shopify podcast, we are discussing what happens when the traffic store, when Google and Facebook drop kick you from their platform and say you can't run ads for your otherwise successful store with us anymore. Denied. What do you do? What happens then? Well, today we're joined by a merchant who is a, a drop shipper, is a successful drop shipper, was successful with Google Facebook ads, got kicked off and then developed an SEO strategy that entirely replaced that traffic. Only now, of course, it's more profitable than ever, I imagine, since he no longer has to worry about the the customer acquisition cost from uh, PPC ads. So maybe getting kicked off these platforms is a blessing in disguise. I mean, I'm sure we'd rather have access to it, but... uh, So joining me today is John Murphy from ebikegeneration.com. And he is going to talk us through the horror of being banned and uh, what what he did about it instead, as well as a couple other things, because he's an interesting, interesting store and story to tell. Mr. John Murphy, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Kurt. It's a pleasure. 
And all right, let's let's establish this. How long have you been in e-commerce? Um, I got the store open in mid 2017, but I really wasn't making any sales until 2018. I think I made two sales in 2017. And when we say sales, what are we selling? Um, I sell e-bikes to hunters. Not originally, I was just selling e-bikes online, dropshipping e-bikes in the US. Um, but I eventually then niched, niched down to just serve hunters. And I just decided to try to, you know, be, become polarizing and just own the hunter space for e-bikes. And, all right, so you start, well, why, initially, why did you pick e-bikes and this is your first your first drop shipping store your first e-commerce endeavor ever yeah 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 i was just looking for a way out of my day job um i did the usual thing of going online and searching how to make money online um i read the four-hour <laughs> work week um so i had all, as we all did as everybody yeah um as every job job shipper has that's that's usually the big uh, the big catalyst as well especially for drop shippers um and yeah, I just went down that rabbit hole of YouTube videos and, you know, how to build a store and, you know, a few courses along the way. And uh, yeah, that, then that was my first store. And what, what was it about e-bikes? How did you pick that? So and the course I was following along with at the time, it, it sort of mapped out a certain criteria, you know, not too heavy, not too complicated to explain. Um, expensive enough for to be a, like a, a decent margin, um, enough suppliers in the US, enough demand in the US, uh, you know, stuff like that. Like for example, um, are, are there lots of competitors? Are there enough suppliers that you can get enough suppliers and like maybe be rejected by a few, but still have enough to open a store? So e-bikes just sort of fit the criteria really. And they were sort of getting popular at the time. So it just made sense. Yeah, I was going to say, 2017, you probably still had to explain to a lot of people what an e-bike was. I still do. <laughs> really? Yeah, Even sometimes. 2021, they're still like, what in the heck? Yeah, yeah. How do you describe an e-bike? Well, basically, it's a bicycle um, just with the addition of uh, a, like a low-powered motor and a battery to power that motor. So you can propel yourself like a scooter, so like a moped, without pedaling, or you can get assisted by pedaling. Um, the pedal assist is the fun. So I've ridden these mm. many times. The pedal assist is the best part because it makes you feel superhuman. That, that's exactly how it feels. That's how I like to explain it. Um, because there are motors in the back wheel, which is like a rear hub motor, and those are like the lower end for they're not they, you know they're they're not going to climb mountains or anything, but they're fun and you feel like you're being pushed from behind, like a kid with your you know dad running, holding, pushing from from behind. But when you have a bike with the mid motor, that motor that's down in between the pedals and you pedal, it feels like you've got superhuman legs. It's great, it's very enjoyable. I've only ridden on the hub bikes and they were a ton of fun. So I can only imagine the, the more proper ones uh, are probably a blast. And so initially it was general and then you hit on, maybe I should niche down. And so you, you went with hunters, which at the time, I'm like, well, that's strange. Um, but then when you see the site, you make the argument for it. And like, obviously the site's very successful, um, but how did that come about? Well, um, basically, uh, so I, I, I thought I was the only one with the original idea of coming up with e-bikes as a, <laughs> as, a, as a specific niche or market. 
and uh, quickly afterwards I discovered that everybody was having the same idea at the same time and we all just looked like cookie cutters of each other all using very similar themes um, all selling the same bikes with the same stock photos the same prices um, and it, it just it just didn't really seem to work for me so I started looking at what I was already selling and there were one or two brands that the brands were hunters they were building they were hunters building bikes for hunters and they were the higher end they were they were better quality much more uh, more expensive the margins were better and I figured you know I could I could kill two birds with one stone here I could just sell the higher margin bikes and re and not sell the lower end bikes that also comes with a lot more customer service and issues because you know when, when people are buying an electric bike and their budget is fifteen hundred dollars that's a lot of money if that's your budget because that's all you have to spend but that realistically is the lower end so you're going to start getting some of the more mechanical issues can arise with the lower end bicycles so by going with the higher end bicycles that are more expensive i need to sell less of them and you know for for the same for the same profits and I was also eliminating the, like a lot of the customer service because it was all it was all on me. So um, it just made sense to go that way. It's selling e-bikes, uh, drop shipping them solo, and you're largely selling them in the U.S. And you personally do not live in the U.S., do you? No, I, I live in southern Italy in a region called. Oh Puglia. wow! Yeah, yeah, it's cool. I've, I've been living in Italy for like eighteen years. And that is not an Italian accent. No, I'm Irish from Dublin. <laughs> all right, so quite. Quit the ge the the geographic uh, hopping here. Honestly, if it were me, I would be terrified selling uh, a a, pro a an expensive, high touch, hard to ship product like this. And you uh, had the the foresight to go. Well, if I go up market with it, I could sell the exact same thing. No, nearly exactly the same thing. But as soon as you raise the price and you go higher at market, okay, the product becomes better. The quality of customer may become better. Yeah. Often it does. And we end up reducing uh, both customer service issues and uh, some of the, the profitability issues um, that are part of drop shipping. And so from there, well, I w did you have any experience with, with bikes, e-bikes or hunting prior to this? So I'm an animal lover. Um, I'm not a hunter. I mean, in, in Ireland, hunting really isn't a thing. So um, I know in the US it is, and I've been submerged into the into the industry for the last few years, so I know it well, but I'm, I'm not a hunter personally. And uh, I didn't, I had never ridden an e-bike, I think until like 2019. You'd been selling them for two years and you'd never ridden one? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you can learn about anything. <laughs> You can learn the theory about anything. So, um, you know, and then anything I couldn't answer, I would just give my best. I don't know the answer, but I'll let you know. You know, and then and then follow up. So, you can figure anything out, really. Yeah, I mean, it's fundamentally, it is, you're right. It is not that complicated. Uh, you know, if you're reasonably mechanically inclined, you mm. can figure this out. Yeah. So, you know, I say this to someone who worked. I'm a uh, I'm a SRAM certified bike mechanic. I worked in a bike shop for uh, a couple of years part time. In my 20s uh but the okay so this business you found the you product you found the niche you've got the branding uh miraculously you were not into either of the, the hunting or the uh the e-bikes necessarily but no one knew and no one cared and because you were providing you know great uh, customer service and information and that's what i love about this site 
It sounds like you, you were generating your traffic with, with Google ads, Facebook ads. Isn't that like you were in the dropshipping community and that's like the thing they teach you is, you know, find the product to just run Google ads and cross your fingers. Yeah, basically the, the, like when you're learning how to, you know, set up a store on Shopify or whatever else and it's for dropshipping, it's basically pick a niche, recruit suppliers, build a great store and start running Google ads, Google shopping mostly. And then Facebook also, if you, you know, if, if, if it makes sense for the audience and that's it. And then it just, um, once you figure out how to do it well, just scale it from there. But it's, it's, it's Google ads it's, um, and, and Facebook. That's, that's all, that's, that's the method. Also, because when you're teaching people how to, you know, build a business online, like, like the course creators for dropshipping, obviously the sooner the student makes their first sale, the more of a reassurance it is that it actually works. It's a thing. It's not some sort of a scam. So obviously they want you to, you know, hit the ground running, start running ads and get your first sale. Uh, and that is the quickest way to your first sale. So, yeah, so there's no, there's no other, other methods or anything taught. And this had been, this had been working for you. I mean, I was profitable, but I really wasn't, I wasn't able to quit my job at that stage. You know, I was working for General Electric in finance and uh, it's just, that was the day job. And I was making sales, but it was like, am I, am I breaking even? Is there a little bit of profit left? You know, it was, it, it was never anything that I, you know, it was never a massive success or anything, just running ads. Um, but without it, I wouldn't have had any traffic. So I was always just trying to, you know, tweak the ads and try to just get a little bit more out of it. So you, you had the taste of success mm -hmm. in that you were able to push six figures of revenue through this store, yeah. but it was at essentially break even or like minor profit. Yeah, I think, I think that first full year in 2018, I was running ads for the whole year. And yeah, I came away with something like $33,000 net profit. Um, something like that, yeah. So I wasn't like, that wasn't, that wasn't gonna replace my income or anything. But it was, it was a sign that, you know, it could work. I just had to figure out how to do it better. And then in uh, May 2019, hmm. you get kicked off Google and Facebook in the same week? The same week, the ban hammer came down and there was no, and they don't even tell you why. They don't, there's, it's like talk to the hand scenario, you know? Um, they, there's no, there's, it's, it's very hard to get, get back. So, um, yeah, and I didn't know how to, which was, it came at a really bad time because I was getting around to the point where I was thinking I could probably quit my job now, you know, sales are starting to come up because in the e-bike business in the, in the season, uh, like March is when sales start to start to come in and there's that bell curve where it's like March, April, May. And it's like, okay, yeah, it's all going. I can, I can probably quit my job by the summer. And then all my traffic went away basically in a week. And I was like, oh crap, I was so close to leaving my job. And maybe I'll never be able to leave my job. I'm gonna to have to figure something out. So yeah, it's a, it's a roller coaster, you know? It was very, very, it was very like a cold shower. Would you, I have access to your store. Would you like to know traffic in April, 2019 versus July, 2019 or June, 2019? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Cause I, I don't have those numbers at the top of my head. All right. April 2019, 20,000 store sessions mm. hit that store. And that's just that spring. So you know it's about to come up. Yeah. Then you get banned. In June, you had 273 visitors. Yeah, I didn't think it was that bad. But I, I it, yeah, like I said, it was a cold shower. It was rough. And those 272 yeah, just, could have been me just to make sure the store was actually working. 
Yeah, it just drops off a cliff. Yeah. Uh, suddenly, and so you panicked. I assume is like mm. step one: panic. You start looking for ways to undo it. Discover you can't. There's no recourse here. Yeah. And then, well, honestly, for me, I'd pack it in. Yeah, well, I mean, I really, really wanted to quit my job. Um, I'd been trying, like, I'd been doing this since, like, July 2017, and it was just starting to work. Um, it was, it, it was too, it was too tempting to just, to just throw it in and then just go back to the day job because I resented my job at that stage. You know, I wanted out, so it was like, uh, it would have been, it would have been too hard to just go back to the day job and go, okay, that didn't work, you know. Uh, so, no, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna even throw in the towel. And all right, so what next? Where do you go from there? Well, I, I mean, there's only really one way to go um, is, is to try and get uh, organic traffic. Um, uh, you know, if you can't, you can't get paid traffic, you have to get organic traffic from somewhere. So I just went down more rabbit holes. Um, I started getting a bit desperate. I started hanging out, hanging out in like Facebook groups for affiliate marketers because I, I was trying to deconstruct what they do because basically what their whole business model is, if they can get ranked on page one, they might make some sales because yep. they get traffic to a product page, then they get somebody to click the call to action button and then they end up on Amazon most of the time or, or another affiliated uh, store. Uh, and so I was just trying to figure out like, if that's their whole, that's the, that's the whole way that they make or break their business, I need to figure out what they're doing. So I was just spent months listening to lots of like affiliate marketing podcasts, uh, hanging out in their groups, uh, just, being a bit of a stalker, really, you know. And what? So I I get the idea with the affiliate marketers because essentially they are they really are a very pure form of can we monetize traffic with information? The you know, the the affiliate marketer themselves really is just trying to rank and create the best possible content because that's what Google wants and that's what the the audience wants. And then okay, in there, if we can, you know, we have a lead gen form. Uh, we have ads, we have affiliate links. That's how you then monetize it. And this is, a th you know, I have seen this with um, my wife's business is that is how it's been most successful. So you had the idea to figure out, you're like, all right, I can't use pay-per-click. And even if there were other platforms, it sounds like you weren't interested in messing with it. You're like, oh, we can mess with TikTok ads. Like it doesn't seem like a thing you wanted to do. Um, and I don't think they would work for this. Yeah, I didn't even know and what then, TikTok so was back then. Oh yeah, that's a good point too. Mm. It would yeah, it was would have been um, pretty new. And the so you said, all right, let's look at who's successful at generating traffic. Affiliate marketers. I think this is smart, especially since you're now you're looking outside of your own circle. Whereas like within the dropshipping community, there's a lot of people doing very similar things. And when those very similar things aren't working for you, it's just not going to help you. And sorry, right, you look at the affiliate marketing community. What do you gain from that? How did you you figure that out? Well, uh, there were there were there's some very good podcasts by um, uh, Niche Pursuits is a very good podcast as well about affiliate marketing. Jason Haas he has a he has a whole community. He even used to have a course on how to teach affiliate marketing, like how to create websites and stuff. So a lot of his interviews were very technical and very you know they lay out the whole process and you know a lot of it was build an epic piece of content the best one on the internet for that one very very niche thing and then build a bunch of other supporting content that would then link to it so google would understand 
that there was topical relevance, uh, relevancy and authority and with the, the, the internal linking it would highlight which, which, which one was the epic piece so Google would know which piece of content to rank when you've got like 40 pieces of content for that same keyword. So um, there was a very specific technical process to building our content and just making content that Google really likes and rewards to put on page one. Um, and then I had to make a few minor uh, adjustments to their process because what they would do is um, in order to rank uh, time on page, if it like so visitors like reading the content, if they are time on site is very important for ranking. So what they would do is they would they would also have lots of ran, not random but lots of links from one piece of content to another piece of content because and you could go down a rabbit hole on one of these affiliate websites and just keep bouncing from page to page because that's all very good sending good signals to Google but time on site with, without getting people to a product page was redundant for me I needed I needed people to have a very specific path in mind uh, so. I, I tried to change the internal linking structure from affiliate marketing to e-commerce to go from the epic pillar piece of content to a product page to the buy now button. Um, so there was a little, little bit more linear because I mean we have to get them to the product page uh, or, or we'll just rank and have great content and no sales. All right, so we know for Google backlinks are votes of confidence. Mm. They determine, they help indicate relevance. They're indicators of this is this is the important part and it, it typically when we talk about linking norman's like well you got to get backlinks 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 well that's easier said than done mm. um in this case you're saying hey look at internal links so meaning it on your own site keep linking back to this one really impressive piece of content and that's what convinces google oh this is the important thing yeah, exactly. Because ideally, you will have a bunch of content on one on one specific keyword, so you can um, be recognized as the authority in that specific niche or for that specific expertise. Uh, but you also don't want to confuse Google by having forty pieces of content all ranking for the same keyword, because then there won't be any consistency. So, if you have the internal linking structure of those, the you can call a silo. Uh, imagine like one big piece of content and then a bunch of supporting content for that one that all of the supporting pieces of content will link to the main piece of content and Google will see that yes they have like I don't know 40 pieces of content talking about electric hunting bikes but 39 of them link to this other one so that's obviously the relevant piece of content and then that's the one that gets picked by Google for for ranking because it's just it's really just about making it really really easy for Google to understand which piece of content is the best to serve customers. So the internal linking part just makes it easier for Google to do that when they're crawling. Yeah, my wife's website, I think we saw this happen, but I think it was by accident. Okay. She ranked number one for uh, several phrases around like COVID-19 restrictions at Disney World. And it was because throughout the site, she like there was on many articles at the top of the page, she'd say, hey, this may not be relevant, this may not be the case, check this COVID-19 restrictions page. Mm. And so we unintentionally ended up doing this and then ended up like first page and you know top one, two, three results um, for all kinds of keyword phrases around that, but really stumbled into it, truly. Well, I mean, uh, well, it worked out, so uh, yeah, but that, that's why, that, that definitely helps. How can you increase your Shopify sales by 10 to 15% overnight? This is not mission difficult, Mr. Hunt. It's mission impossible. Don't worry, Tom Cruise. This mission isn't impossible. 
Just use Zipify one-click upsell. Got mobile optimized offer pages that drive sky-high conversions, plus built-in split testing for maximizing your results. It's no wonder one-click upsell has made its users an extra $162 million in sales. And it only takes a few minutes to install the app, launch your first upsell, and start generating 10 to 15% more revenue overnight. To start your free 30-day trial, go to zipify.com slash Kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash Kurt, K-U-R-T. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help at zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. Okay, so I need... I need my epic piece of content, which is like the ultimate guide to X, how to X. And then I want to link, if I've small, I could break that up. I can make smaller supporting articles and then they link back to that. But I've got my main, my ultimate piece of content. What does that look like? You know, it, I doubt it's like, oh, I threw together a hundred words and called it a day. Yeah, well, usually it, it depends. So for example, um, what you would normally do is like before you even start writing anything, you would want to go to uh, go onto Google and just search for the keyword that you're trying to rank for, and see what Google rewards as a really good piece of content. So the first ten pieces on on page one um, will they will generally all have a similar uh, style to them. So usually when it's about like a specific product, uh, you will find that the majority of the page one pieces of content are listicles. So like top X for Y, uh, that sort of content. And if that's what you see, then you know that that's what Google likes to put first. So you just, then you stick to that specific um, style of piece of content. And you just need to see what the average word count is on page one and try to do it better. Uh, obviously not just making content for the sake of making content. As long as it's really, really helpful and valuable, you just want to be able to write a piece of content that when the person has read it, they're so convinced of their decision, they don't need to go and read something else to get more information. So you just need to pack it in there with as much value, the kitchen sink, everything goes in there. Um, and then there are technical things you can do to make it more favorable for, you know, to rank as well. Uh, but basically the concept would be just to see what's already ranking and do it similar, but bigger and better and more helpful and more up to date and just overwhelmingly uh, helpful for people in that like research phase. Okay, so especially with you have a big ticket item, um, you know, a typical e-bike purchase is going to be three grand, let's say, and so people are going to research it. And they're going to think about it. Like I'm, it's just not an impulse purchase, and so I think this strategy probably works well for any level of average order value, but particularly it becomes necessary for these high AOV items, and so I. I've got my, my keyword phrase in mind, which I want to ask you about keyword research, but I've got my keyword phrase in mind. I search that on Google and then I look at the first page. I open up all 10 results and we go through it. We figure out, okay, what is, what's the common approach here? And maybe it's, it's a listicle. And based off that, I could probably create a table of contents. Um, I can run these through uh, word length counters. If you just Google like uh, word counter, you'll find plenty of them. Just copy and paste it. So if you could figure out like, okay, the average of that, of you know, the top five is probably the, uh, is, is table stakes for ranking for my word count. And then I got to create original content. If I'm copying and pasting, if I'm rewriting poorly, eh, it's not a good idea. So I create my original content and then I have to link to it throughout my site to indicate to Google that like, this is, this is the one you want to rank guys. What else am I missing there? 
Well, um, there, there are a few different aspects. So one thing would be that if you have that one epic piece of content that you want to rank, not only do you have the other supporting doc uh, content linking to it, but you would also have it on your home page as well. Because another ranking factor for Google is clink, uh, click depth. So if you have to click four times to get to it, Google understands that it's probably not that relevant at all. So if you can find a way to put that blog, the link to that blog post on the home page, it's as it's it's one click away. So that's as as shallow click depth as you can as you can possibly have. Um, so for an e-commerce store, we you generally don't want to have like a link to your blog section because you've already got them to your website. So don't send them to a blog post. But click depth is very important. So if you have it somewhere on the home page, um, you know you don't have to make it very obvious. You know, you're not saying go read my blog post since you're on my e-commerce store. Um, but if you can get it, if you can get a link from the homepage, uh, that sends all the right signals as well. Okay, so I want to link it from the homepage mm. to tell Google, hey, this is this is important. But at the same time, like specific to e-commerce anyway, if someone is in research, ideally they Google it and then they land on that article directly. Yeah. But if they just land on my homepage, we hope and assume they're shopping and then we obviously we want shopping to be first um so we don't necessarily want to have like a gigantic go read this 2000 word article even though we hope you came here to shop yeah so exactly. we have a, a subtle link or like we put it further down the page maybe yeah down okay. you know down the page is, is is a good idea because if they're scrolling to the bottom of the page anyway they're probably not shopping they're probably curious um so down yeah, so down down near the bottom is a is a is a safe bet. So this is my my safety net for the homepage. Yeah, you put this at the end, and if they hit it and they're curious about it, they probably weren't going to go directly to buying anyway. Yeah. Okay, I like this. so we do like our our featured articles at the bottom of the page. Um, the you said there were some some other technical things there. What else that I could do to optimize it? What else did I miss? Well, so you know, we're running a piece of content with a specific keyword in mind. So for me, it was electric hunting bike or e-bikes for hunters, that, those sort of keywords. Um, and whatever your keyword is, whether it's like, um, I don't know, indoor, jacuzzi or whatever the, you know, the niche you're in, that keyword, uh, you, can be, you can use hashtags. So when you're writing the piece of content, you can create the content, the, the headings, like the subject headings, or the paragraph headings could be in H2 tags because uh, like H2 has gives more weight to the content in a H2 tag. Uh, and then there's a H3 tag, H4 tag, and each one has a little bit less uh, juice to it, let's say, um, but still more than just regular paragraph text. So if, for example, if you wanna, if you can get the keyword in, in a bunch of those H tags, you can do that in a way by having like a, like an FAQ section or some sort of like the most the, or some some common misconceptions category and then you have a question and it could be it could be questions that people are asking already online and you can use websites like answerthepublic.com which is a fantastic resource for finding out what people are what questions people are asking online and once you know some of those questions you can actually type out the question and the question could be a h2 tag with the keyword and then you answer the question using the keyword. So you're just putting that keyword in in a very natural way, but every way you can and where possible using like H2 tags or H3 tags. Um, obviously without keyword stuffing, it still needs to make sense and needs to 
it's read well. Uh, but those are some of the signals that Google looks. Uh, so when when spider comes in and crawls the website, it recognizes what's a H1 tag, H2 tag, H3 tag. And if the keywords are in there, then that's uh, very beneficial for us. I just loaded up answerthepublic.com. Mm. I've never seen this thing. I've never heard of it. It's so cool. I went on it. I typed in Disney World. Within seconds, it came back with like a whole bunch of common questions. And then even was like, all right, here's uh, some other stuff you could use. Or just download all of this as a CSV. That's fantastic. And it had it visualized in a word cloud. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. And you can see if you want to read, write a piece of content about Disney World, Disney World there, you can see what the, the, the questions are even categorized with like prepositions, how or why or versus. So Disney World versus uh, Euro Disney or... So you can just come up with like a year's worth of content ideas just using Answer the Public. So it's a great resource. That's free. Yeah, what this thing is incredible. I can't believe it. Uh, I love this. I've got, I will put this in the show notes, and I'm going to have to play with this later. Hmm. It's really good. Uh, so do you use this for? I mean, this. If I'm in a niche, I can immediately use this to create an FAQ on the topic. I could create articles. Yeah. I can use this to create um, to get ideas on ultimate guides. But you're right. This is just like, hey, here are here's your data driven content ideas. Wow, this. I mean, this this tool is worth the the episode itself. Um, okay, so within. Is that what, well? Is this the tool you're using for keyword research? Um, well, I, so. I use Ahrefs for keyword, uh, it's more like keyword reconnaissance because I know I, when you're in a niche, you know your keyword, your main keyword, and, you know, like if you sell treadmills, then treadmills or best treadmill is your, you know, or stair climber, then stair climber is your keyword. So it's more like, not, I use Ahrefs not to research the keyword, but I research who's ranking for the keyword and, and why. And then I use that then to make bigger, better content. And also I can use Ahrefs to see who they're getting backlinks from to that content. And then I can go and try to deconstruct that and do it better. Okay. And uh, then answer the public is then basically just for um, brainstorming ideas of uh, extra, like I could use, like if I had, they said like epic piece of content, which you call like a skyscraper or pillar piece of content. Uh, then when I go to write all of the supporting content around it, and if I want to create like 20, 30, 40 pieces of content, I could just go in there, pull a couple of questions from there and build a piece of 500 word or 1000 word piece of content on one of the questions that's in there. And when you say you create this this thousand word piece of content, are you, you just sit down and write it? Yeah, I mean, like if the question is something like, um, like uh, I don't know, which e-bike or, you know, what type of e-bike is suitable for hunting? Because I've been in the niche for a while, I, 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 I know the answers, so it's very easy for me to say it because I've said it over the phone, I've said it in chat, by email, uh, so writing it down is not a problem. I don't have to research the niche, I mean. Um, You're an experienced authority at this point, having successfully sold these bikes for years. Yeah. So for you, like, you just need the prompt. And then you're able to sit down and go, oh, I know, you know, if a customer asks me this, I know what to say. Yeah. And then you just sit down and write it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, I envy people who could do that. You put together the article. Is there anything like it? Obviously, we're using um, semantic HTML, so we're setting our, our heading tags. Um, are there other things that can make it easier to rank? Like, 
if I, you know, obviously creating the content itself, I have to create good, relevant content. That is the core part of it. Yeah. If I don't do that, I'm dead in the water. But once I've done that, okay, I can, I can grease the wheels. I can make my life a little easier. You know, do I need images in it? Do I need video? What do I need to add to this article? So adding to the article, the actual content would be, you want to be linking to product pages. So there you'll have like uh, best X for Y, like best X for scenario A, best X for scenario B, and then you link to the product, have an image of the product, maybe a lifestyle image of the product, have a summary about why it's, you know, why it's the best for that specific scenario, and then a really obvious call to action uh, button, which is one thing I got from affiliate marketers. Um, even up on, now it's a bit more common, but even just up until about a year ago, all e-commerce blog posts, when they were linking to products, it was usually just the, the, the name of the product, they would just hyperlink it, and um, and one one uh, very very well known affiliate marketer said to me, but um, if somebody's on their mobile phone, they don't have a mouse. Maybe, 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 just maybe, they don't know that's a link, and then people are not getting to your product page because you didn't make it simple for them. So so the call to action wouldn't be a link. The product wouldn't be like the product name wouldn't be a hyperlink. You would actually put in an image of a button and whatever the text is, which is whatever you like. It's usually not a buy now because that's a hard sell when you're on a product, when you're on a content page, but it would be something like check price or see full details or check the specs or whatever it is and make it in the image of a button, make it look like a button. So, you know, like that oval orange shape with the, with the wording on it. And you can just Google like a image, image search for a check price button. And you can just choose, there's, there's lots of them. You can, it's very simple. And these are all, the, the, like you can even see the, the buttons if you search for them, it'll be check price on Amazon. And you just enter that as an image and make it a link to the product page. So people, even if they're on a mobile and they don't have a mouse to hover over anything, it's really clear that if they want to get to the product page, that's how they do it. So you're just making the call to action really, really, really obvious. And that then increases more people that try to go from the blog post to the product page. So you're just making it easier for them. You know, you make all of this sound very easy. How much effort do you think you have put into, not just you know researching it and solving for it, but uh, just, just implementing your own process? Well, um, well, it is actually a process. I didn't learn all of it at, at once. You know, in the beginning I had a piece of content and then I, then I learned something else and I went back and edited the piece of content by adding like the, the call to action button or adding like um, you know better images, or maybe having like a pros and cons summary of that specific piece of content, and really it just evolved over time. Like in the beginning, the piece of content was probably about fifteen hundred words, and that was the biggest piece of content on e-bikes, electric hunting bikes at the time. But now it's close to five thousand words long. That that piece of content. So you have just. The one you keep just over time, you keep revising it and that keeps it relevant. Yeah, like by making it better because also like some bikes go out of style or go out of production, so I'll, I'll change it. But then also um, like one of my pieces of content was like the thing it was like top seven electric hunting bikes for 2019. And then in November 2019, I was thinking, okay, so I guess this needs to become 2020, otherwise people will stop clicking on it. So what I did was I just added an extra two bikes and then it became the top nine for 2020. Now it's like the top 11 for 2021 and now it's November. So it's probably going to get edited again soon. And I might go in and just maybe, uh, you know, maybe see what, see what, see what's new and see what the affiliate marketers are doing this year and 
see if it's relevant for, for my content as well. And I'll go and edit it for next year. I love this idea because it, I, I have been around long enough to realize that in the world, very few ideas are new. They are usually borrowed from somewhere else and then adapted to fit something else. And then you're like, boom, new idea. You have done exactly that within internet marketing, just taking, all right, what are the affiliate marketing guys doing? Oh, that works for them. All right, let's apply this to e-commerce, tweak it, here it goes. And brilliantly, you, now that you have quit your job, I assume you eventually quit GE. Yep, September, 2019. All right, my apologies to Jack Welch that we have taken John Murphy from you. Uh, and from there, now you've got this as your full-time gig, you've got another side hustle going. You have a, you have a course. Yeah, I just so I so yeah so last week I last week I moved home, my dog died, and I launched a oh, new sorry. business. Yeah, so it's crazy. It's been crazy this month, but um, yeah. So I, I, I so I I have actually built like a, an SEO mini mini course for uh, e-commerce stores. So basically, what what I do, and I just recorded the whole process. Uh, so anybody else can then just go and do do what I do for their store and then they can stop being reliant on paid traffic. Hopefully they can get it done before the banhammer comes down on them like it did on me. Um, like I, I wasn't actually supposed to build a course because um, and I just, it just kind of happened. Uh, back in, uh, so in September, I was supposed to be in Lisbon as a guest speaker uh, for a very big uh, private e-commerce event. And I was basically going to spend an hour on stage and just sort of deconstruct what I do and how I do it. So then everybody could go away and then, you know, go back to work and then apply some of it. And then due to COVID, it, the event got canceled. And I had all of this, uh, it, it was the first time I'd actually put my process down on paper because before I was like, yeah, I know how to do that. I'll just go and do it. So it was all in my head. And it was, I found that it was very laborsome for me to try to explain what I do. Um, because I never had to explain it to anybody before. So I, I spent a lot of time building out this sort of presentation talk. And then when the event got canceled, I thought, well, my, well, my business coach said, that's a course, you just, just sell the course. And I was like, no, I don't really want to do that because there's a lot of these guys on, on online and they are standing in front of their Lamborghinis and you know, right. <laughs> their private jets and they're selling online courses and it, and it just feels icky. Um, but I had the work was I had a lot of the work already done. A lot of the basic work was done. It was going to be like a one hour talk, but I figured I didn't get a chance to talk about like the Dream One Hundred process or my backlink strategies or you know some of the technical parts of SEO. So I figured why don't I just make like four or five different modules on each one of these categories, make a course, and then just see what happens. And uh, so I just finished like last week. And now it is live at ecomseoformula.com. And it's real, it's like the expanded look over your shoulder version of uh, what we heard today. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm not like, I'm not in my store doing it because there are like, there are lots of really good examples online. So um, there are some over the shoulder when I'm in Ahrefs looking at what ranks for keywords. And I just pick a few random niches, different niches just to see like if this was my niche, how would I, how would I approach it? Um, there's some there's some presentation slides because it was supposed to be a presentation. Um, so there was um, so I'm I'm talking over the points and then I show some examples and uh, so I, I break down some of the process that I, I do. So I there's a whole module where I explain maybe ten or twelve of my 
actual backlink strategies, like strategies that I, I still do today or have done that work for me, work for e-commerce. There's a module on the Dream 100 process that I apply to e-commerce, which I think it wasn't, it wasn't really devised for e-com, but uh, it is now. So um, yeah, so there's a lot in there. It's basically what I do. Like it could have been a lot bigger, but then I would have just been taking other people's examples or other people's strategies and just adding them in there. So this is basically, here's what I do. And if you want to know, um, it's all in one place on, on that website. Wonderful. Uh, EcomSEOFormula.com. Check it out. And if I wanted to go buy an e-bike, where should I go? Well, if you are looking for a high, a high powered hunting bike or something to go off road, uh, so that, that can really take like rough terrain, climb hills, you go to ebikegeneration.com. Um, otherwise, if you're just looking for like a classic run of the mill city bike or beach cruiser, you do not have to search very far. There's like 250 online dealers right now, drop shipping e-bikes. <laughs> so it's an extremely saturated very, uh, niche. Very honest, uh, very fun. John Murphy, thank you so much. It's a pleasure, Kurt. Shopify's online store 2.0 is here, and I have some very exciting news for you. Out of the Sandbox just updated their best-selling turbo theme to be online store 2.0 compatible, and it's better than ever. Ooh the turbo theme is a personal favorite of mine. Its update is packed with features like new faceted filtering, sections on product and content pages, and support for metafield modifications. Honestly, this is one of the best themes. Plus, out of the Sandbox offers a 14-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. Head over to outofthesandbox.com slash unofficial to get Turbo today. And don't forget to use the promo code KURT20 for 20% off your theme. That's K-U-R-T-2-0. Save yourself the FOMO. Buy Turbo today. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe up over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including links to sites we discussed, and maybe some details you missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors, so please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at EtherCycle.com. Thanks for listening.